Dave, there's no way you can make 12 more three-pointers in a playoff game and lose. Zach, I've got a little news for you. Kick out Tucker, his favorite spot. Missed the three! And the rocket shooting woes from distance continue. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Tuesday morning. We've got all the playoff action from Monday in the NBA. I'm Zach Harper. That's Dave DeFour. we got Brian Smith grabbing the brooms with the heat. Coming up on today's show, the Bucks are close to making the magic disappear. That's a magic pun. The Heat broom the Pacers. That's not really a pun at all. It's just a poor use of a verb. And the We Believe Lakers keep overcoming the odds. But first, Dave... Can a rocket take off during a thunderstorm? If this game's any indication, no. I don't I actually don't know the science on this, but I do know. Thunder 117, Rockets 114. The series is tied 2-2. The Rockets blow the lead. The Rockets start out hot from three, and then they just absolutely stop making shots. The Thunder play great clutch basketball. Dave, is this just what we're supposed to expect from these two teams in a playoff series? I mean, this is sort of what we all expected coming into the series. How many people chose the Thunder over the Rockets? I know I did. I thought that the Thunder had a great regular season. You know, they were getting back Dennis Schroeder. I thought that they could hang in this series. First two games, they didn't look like it, but clearly they're finding themselves. I still believe that James Harden will find a way to be the biggest superstar in this series and ultimately drag them to it, especially if Russell Westbrook comes back in Game 5, but... I think we all knew this was going to be competitive. Now, Dave, I'm actually interested in the clutch performance because I know the Thunder have been the best clutch team in the NBA all season long. But I'll admit, like, I haven't fully trusted it for a playoff scenario in the last two games. They've held true on being the best clutch team. Well, that three-headed guard lineup with Chris Paul, Shea Gildas-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder has just murdered teams in the clutch. Now, part of this is that also they've played a lot of crunch time minutes period. I mean, this team is not really blowing the doors off of teams, so they've got a lot of practice there. Shea and and Chris Paul were spectacular. They were probably the two best guards in crunch time in the NBA this season, and Dennis Schroeder wasn't so bad uh, because he was playing with those guys. I thought Dennis was the difference in the game. You know, he started attacking the basket. That layup he hit under a minute left really oh, sealed man. the oh, game for them. Oh, that was nasty. That, that touch on that shot was incredible. Yeah. You know, he basically got an advantageous position on Jeff Green. He lowered that shoulder. The only way that Jeff Green could have gotten to that ball was by fouling him. It was a real veteran move. This is what they did to teams all year. You know, they they hung in there. They kept the game tight. And then Schroeder, Chris Paul, and Shea Gildas-Alexander took over. Now, Shea didn't shoot the ball well, but still had a really great game. I completely agree. I, the Rockets side of it. They go 23 of 58 from three. They set a record with 58 three-point attempts, and they made 23 of them. It's not like they shot poorly, but there was a stretch in which they went, like, I think, like, three for 19 or three for 23 in the second half. And, Dave, this seems to be like the Rockets are there. I usually find the whole live by the three, die by the three to be a corny cliche, but somehow they both lived and died by the three in the same game. People bring this up a lot because when you talk about the three, Houston inevitably comes up, and the fact that they're shooting like 55 threes a game or something ridiculous right now, they are kind of at that upper limit, and the result of this game is is part of why I say that. They had two mid-range points, okay, and granted, that's, I guess, good analytics if, if you're taking that many threes and you feel like those are good shots. They had 34 points in the paint, not a ton, 
They only shot 10 free throws. They eschewed attacking the basket in favor of that three instead of generating the good three-point looks out of attacking the basket, which is when they're at their best. And so not going to the free throw line, which is very uncharacteristic for this team, they tend to live there, it wrecks them from time to time, and this is an example of that. It was an 18 free throw difference. Oklahoma City, you know, Chris Paul, he's going to get to the free throw line. Dennis Schroeder is getting to the free throw line, and they did a good job of that today, and that's the difference in the game to me. Is it possible to have 32 points, 15 assists, 8 rebounds, and 4 steals and still be a disappointment in the game? Dave, does that make sense on any level? Because that's what James Harden ended up with. He had a great game. He moved the ball. He did a great job. But down the stretch, it looked like he was gassed. So I'm going to actually turn this back on you because I do think that your your question is a good one. I mean, when you look at those numbers... <laughs> 32, 15, Those numbers are stupid, eight. man. Like, those numbers yeah. are ridiculous for a playoff game. Crazy. Okay. But what we have become accustomed to with James Harden is the foul baiting. It's attacking the baskets. Get you know. And so let me ask you, was this a more palatable James Harden, or would you rather see the one who really destroys team by teams by going to the free throw line, putting them in foul trouble, keeping pressure on that defense? I don't mind him baiting for calls, and I don't mind him going to the free throw line a bunch when he's attacking the basket. It's when he's like jumping into defenders and around the three point line, and if he gets that call, if anyone gets that call, I hate it. Lou Williams does it all the time. I hate that. Uh, it's, call. It drives me crazy. It's my least mm-hmm. favorite call in the NBA. I absolutely hate it. I do think it was more palatable. And it's not that he wasn't aggressive, it's just when they needed him to match shot for shot with the Thunder, it just wasn't there, right? And even on the last possession, you know, and, and they're playing the foul game at that point, and they're trying to extend the clock, but there was a, a possession there where he didn't even get the inbound pass. Like, they essentially used him as a decoy once again, and to me, you cannot have those possessions. I don't care what the situation is. I need the ball in James Harden's hands. This is why I started to feel a, a little bit more down about the Rockets when we found out Russ was going to be injured and, and and miss a few games. I didn't realize he was going to miss four games in the series, but this is why Russ is important to this team because he's he allows James Harden to, you know, mix it up a little bit with his pitches. You know, he can he can give you that fastball, attack the basket. He can throw that change up where he's just out there dancing around, setting up the step back. And he can also take a couple plays off here and there because he's still going to draw the defense and Russ puts so much pressure you know, on, on the rim. So they are really missing Russell Westbrook. I, I feel like this is why they got Russell Westbrook for these moments in the playoffs where toward the end of games, James looks like he's losing some steam. And to be fair, I mean, he's been playing his butt off. Oh, it's yeah. not like he doesn't Absolutely. play hard. Had a great rip tonight on Chris Paul at the top of the key, <laughs> which was like an old school NBA moment, you know, where like everyone cleared out and Chris tried to hit a dribble move and it. And two-handed dunk, by the way. I want to point that out. That was on purpose. I, I really feel like he was trying to make a statement there. Hey, I'm going to go up <laughs> with two hands on this one. And so, uh, you know, I, I. but I think that you can see it is starting to wear on him. Again, to give him even more credit, I think his defense in this series has been good. Not just like he's holding his own. He's been good on defense. Blocked a few shots. So I think he's just worn out. Eric Gordon, Daniel House helped out, but still just not – not that second guy to really rely on uh, for the Thunder before we move on. Chris Paul, as you mentioned, incredible. 26 points, 10 and 19 shooting, 6 boards, 3 assists, 3 steals. Dennis Schroeder had 30 off the bench. Shea Gilders Alexander, 18, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. The Thunder have even up the series. That's awesome. 
How do they keep this pushing, Dave? I think they stick to what worked for them all year, which is what they've done the last two games. Defend as best you can. I mean, this is a juggernaut offense. You're only going to do so much. <laughs> You'd love to see them not get up 58 threes a game. But if you're if you're walling off the paint the way that they did and you're not putting them on the free throw line, that's a recipe for success for the Thunder because they can score with anybody, especially when Schroeder's got it going coming off the bench for them. So I, I just think stick to the game plan. If you can do exactly what you just did, obviously it worked in this game, but I think that this is the blueprint for beating the Rockets in general. Certainly you want to hammer them on the, on the boards, and Oklahoma City really hasn't done that. But what they have done is keep them off the line. I, I think that's the key with Houston. Lakers 135, Blazers 115. Lakers take a commanding, unbelievable 3-1 series as these we-believe Lakers continue to shock the world. Dave, there's not a whole lot to this one. The Lakers destroyed them. I guess the big news in this is Damian Lillard appeared to have suffered a non-contact injury on his knee. He's off to get an MRI. Looked not uh, terrible. He seemed to be kind of flexing it. He was talking to Mello. There's some shots of that. But this is obviously a huge concern considering how incredible Dame is, not just for the rest of the series. Forget the rest of the series. This thing's over, Dave. But for whatever next season could be if this is a serious injury. We've been talking a lot about the short turnaround from this bubble scenario to the next season potentially starting in february if this is any sort of and and you know we're very early here so hopefully it's nothing you know hopefully you just landed a little funny and it just doesn't feel great but if it is some sort of actual injury that maybe requires a long rehab or or a surgery you know he stands to not be ready for the start of next season and that's just you know coming on the heels of the disastrous injurious season they just dealt with in Portland and knowing that he is the engine of that car. I mean, that team is in the lottery without Damian Lillard. Needless to say, that's huge. Massive. It is huge. Lakers had 80 points in the first half. They jumped out to a 43-21 lead at one point. AD and LeBron were they combined for 40 points on 13 of 16 shooting in the first half. Like, just <laughs> dominance, right? LeBron finished with 30 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds in 28 minutes, which is just stupid. AD finished with 18 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists in just 18 minutes because, Dave, he had back spasms. He had some issues. Now, he said after the game that it was just precautionary. The training staff was just being careful. And considering they're waxing the Blazers in this one, I don't think you can blame them. But AD does have a history of this stuff. He has a history of, you know, nagging injuries and and I do think you have to be a little concerned about his availability and his health moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to need him in the next round for sure. I mean, we've seen what Utah did to Denver. And I'm not saying that Utah is better than the Lakers, but Anthony Davis is going to be very important in that series. So the Lakers can't afford for him to be injured. But I do want to point out, you know, we were all kind of worried about LeBron because he just didn't look sharp. This team didn't look sharp. Needless to say, I think that, the last couple of games should just shut that up. I mean, the, the Lakers look a lot better. LeBron looks like LeBron. I think the Lakers are back on that finals path now. I mean, look, we've seen Disney movies before, Dave. The We Believe Lakers. They might just have enough. They're to the get mighty past. Lakers. They might they might be they might be. Dave, they just might persevere, get past the monstrous eight seed blazers and find a way to keep just chugging along a little bit uh but all seriousness their offense 56 percent in this one hit 17 threes uh still not good at the free throw line but they, they were clicking and i do think look the lakers are gonna have tougher opponents moving forward but this is the kind of you know much like we'll talk about with 
with the Bucks and the Magic, Dave. You want to see them ramping up as series are about to end, especially the series they're supposed to win. And this is the kind of performance you need to see from the Lakers. All right, let's get to some news. The worst kept secret in the NBA, Brett Brown has finally been fired for the Philadelphia 76ers, barring a title run or some kind of deep run in the playoffs. I think we all knew this was coming. Brett Brown doesn't do a whole lot of adjusting. His in-game adjustments were pretty poor. He's more of a development guy. He's more of a, you know, rah-rah, let me let me support you kind of guy in terms of coaching. Doesn't mean he's a bad coach necessarily, but I do think like the voice just wore a little thin with this group and this group probably needs a bit of a kick in the ass and he wasn't going to do that uh yeah seven years is a long time for a guy to be in one place I mean (laughs) it's very hard to remember when Brett Brown got got hired what he was being hired into you know it's been that long he weathered that storm look I think that when you look at his run it's obviously going to be tainted by critics of the process who don't understand the process mostly and, and don't realize that that part of it was a success, you know, getting the good players. You were successful at that. It's all the stuff on the margins that didn't happen. And, you know, this is what happened with with coaches. You get stuck with an imperfect roster, which most teams are imperfect, but this one was way less perfect than a lot of rosters. Maybe he overperformed with it just on virtue of having very talented players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and it, it covered up a lot of warts. But This team is full of warts, and Brett Brown didn't sign Tobias Harris. Brett Brown didn't sign Al Horford. Brett Brown didn't let J.J. Redick leave. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff, and it doesn't stop with with Brett Brown. Now, if the team's to be believed, they're going to restructure everything. So we'll see. I think the rumors, at least the hot name right now, is uh, Clippers assistant Ty Lue. What do you think of Ty Lue as the potential next coach of the Sixers? Is he the right voice? I mean, maybe he's obviously got the cachet. He's got a got a ring. He's got the respect of players around the league. He played in the league. I mean, not that a lot of the guys on the Sixers, you know, <laughs> will remember that pretty young. But you want to talk about a guy that's a little bit different. I mean, Ty Lue adjusts. That guy is very good as as a coach, and it's funny. He's one of the few guys that that has ever coached LeBron and put him in his place when he needed it as far as as a player, you know? I mean, he's definitely, like, dropped more than one F-bomb on LeBron, and that's just unheard of. So I think when it comes to walking in and having the the respect and attention of that team, Ty Lue's a great guy for that, and, and he's a very good coach. So if they could hire Ty, hey, I'm all for it, man. Kyle Lowry has an ankle sprain diagnosed. Um, he left game four of Raptors in their 150-122 to 122 victory over the Nets. Uh, I think there's some concern here. He's going to be updated as appropriate according to the team, so I don't know how serious it necessarily is. Maybe they're being coy with it. Uh, maybe it's it's more serious than they're letting on. The Celtics and Raptors start on Thursday. How concerned should the Raptors be? Reminder that the Celtics will be without Gordon Hayward. I don't have to tell you that Kyle Lowry is very important to the Toronto Raptors. And when I'm looking ahead at that series, I have to take your advice. And I put Kyle Lowry over everything when I'm judging who's going to win, right? If they don't have Kyle, I think it's Celtics in six. If they have Kyle, I think it's Raptors in six. Like, I think that's how important he is to that team and what a difference maker he is in that series. And so, yeah, I mean, I I would be, uh, I'd be sweating right now if I was Nick Nurse because 
that's you know that's for sure your most consistent player on both ends, and that's their leader, right, Dave? Like that, like I know Pascal Siakam's the best player, but Kyle Lowry's the leader. Like he's the guy, he's the guy giving up his body for charges. He's the guy setting the tone. He's obviously a great shooter, but that that dude, like they they go by his lead. And yeah, I'm with you. I think just in terms of trying to contain Kemba Walker, who looks really healthy, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Like he looks really oh, yeah. healthy after that series against the Sixers. Um, you're just going to need as much help as you can. And, and Kyle Lowry can still defend. Yeah. And I, I think the one good sign for the Raptors, and I know it was against the Nets and the Nets had packed their bags and they were ready to leave. But without Kyle Lowry, they didn't buckle. They just, you know, the Raptors just went about their business. And I think that you know, when you've got a coach like Nick Nurse who clearly has the respect of his team, you've got a bunch of veterans on that team, and it's not like, you know, he's not in Orlando. I mean, he'll be there. So even if he's not on the court, I still expect him to you know be a major part, major voice. That's all great. They're going to miss him on the court like and the skills that he brings to the basketball court more than anything. It's going to be tough. And like you mentioned, Kemba looks great, and Kyle can actually handle Kemba to a certain degree. So I think that that's the difference in the series, his health. Speaking of injuries, Chris Stapps Porzingis, a game-time decision for Game 5 on Tuesday. We saw the, the Mavericks get by without him in Game 4. Dave, how important is it to get Chris Stapps back on the court? I wouldn't want to run that back. I wouldn't want to try your luck again. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's really good, and, and what, he, what he provides when Luka goes to the bench, you know, if you look at the Porzingis and bench units, they've been really good all year. We got to see a taste of what it looks like with Luka and the bench unit, but I think in game three, the the Porzingis run with the bench was pivotal in that game. So I do think that they need him to be back on the court. And if he's healthy, I mean, this series is a toss-up to me at this point. We need Chris Tepps Porzingis. Uh, We know that he tried to get away from the Knicks. Speaking of avoiding Knicks, Dave, Manscaped. You don't want Knicks and cuts when you're grooming yourself. You can't have that. No, with the Lawnmower 3.0, it's waterproof. Use it in the shower. You know, but just between us, Dave, since there's no one else kind of listening right now, used it in the shower today. Groomed myself up. It's wireless. It's cordless. It's waterproof. It's got an LED light. It's got advanced skin safe technology. No nicks, no cuts on my delicates. No nicks and cuts on your delicates. I cannot recommend it enough. It is the best technology and the best way to take care of yourself. And when you get the perfect package 3.0, it's got the crop preserver ball deodorant and the crop reviver ball toning spray. Dave, I never knew ball deodorant existed. I never knew I needed it. But let me tell you, it is going to change your life. Well, you were talking to me about it before we started recording. I legitimately use it. I legitimately use it every day. And let me just say, I've never been fresher. For me, it's those boxers, man. Those boxers boxers are the best thing I got. Oh, my God. just incredible yeah they're unbelievable if you get the perfect package kit you get two free gifts you get the shed travel bag and the manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs the boxer briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology so you just you're always comfortable and dave it's hot as hell right now you need that comfort the waistband super elastic so it's never gonna chafe it's never gonna rub wrong and you can get all this stuff yourself you can find out for yourself don't just take my word for it take your own word for it get 20 percent off plus free shipping when you use the promo code the athletic 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off free shipping manscaped.com just use the promo code the athletic 20 from the moose to the caboose always use the right tools for the job with manscaped and now a quick word from our sponsors 
Heat 99, Pacers 87, Heat sweep the Pacers 4-0. That's what a sweep is, 4-0. And uh, they do it by just, they're just the better team. And I think, look, I would love to see a fully healthy Pacers team with Victor Oladipo at his best, DeMontis Sabonis in there, everyone firing on all cylinders, throw Jeremy Lamb back into the mix. But I don't know that we could have expected them to put up a better fight against this Heat team in this series. And most of the games were pretty competitive, so it's not like they just got destroyed. But, I mean, this Heat team's just so good right now. Yeah, the Heat just have more talent. You know, they had a better offense all year, and, and their offense showed up for sure. But it's the defense where they really won, won this game. And, and 14 of 37 for the Pacers from three is fantastic. They got 30 points in the paint. The Miami Heat just walled off the basket, and it worked. They outscored them in the paint by 20 points. And when you can do that, you give yourself a really good chance to win. What's crazy is that Miami did this going 8 of 30 from 3. I mean, that's just they were effective at scoring the basketball without hitting the 3, which has you know been, been an issue for them. Yeah, I mean, the 3-point shot is just so important to Miami and the fact that they could – have this kind of, I don't know if dominance is the right word, but just effectiveness without being able to shoot the three well. Um, just hyper impressive from them all series. Victor Oladipo looked pretty good. You know, he scored 25 points, had some good stats across the board. Dave, what did you think about him after this series, just in terms of how he looked overall? Because to me, not to lead you anywhere, but I just, all series, like, it's just, it doesn't look like Victor Oladipo to me. Even in the good moments, he just, he looks slow. Yeah, and and it was like this pre-hiatus, right? Just didn't that first step wasn't quite as quick, not as much pop on on his uh, attacking the basket, and a little bit of a clunky fit, if I'm being honest. You know, he's in a different role. T.J. Warren is the main guy offensively for them, and that's how they had their great success here in these seeding games, and even in in the playoff series here. You know, they were at their best when when T.J. got it going, but it's a tough spot to be in. You know, you're an all-star. You you suffer a, a really serious injury. You miss a year. You come back, and you're not the same guy, but you're trying to play that way. And you could see that. I think that, you know, leaving Orlando, you should look at the last couple games he put together, and he should feel pretty good about his progress because he looks better in game four of this series than he did in the first seeding game that he played. So if you're just taking it in that little tiny window and you say, look, over the course of three weeks, I started to find my groove, and now you want to build on it for next season. The question is, Zach, as you know, is he going to be doing that for Indiana next year? I think he might be doing it for Miami if I'm telling you. you I know. I hate to do the thing where it's like they just got they just got eliminated and we're already talking about him leaving. Look, man, the whisper the whispers that get louder and louder is like, you know, Miami's probably the spot. If he leaves. It's that Miami's right. the spot. If he leaves. And the thing is, like for the Pacers, they've got to be proactive with this whole thing. Similar to the Paul George situation. You can't just leave him lose him for nothing. So, you know, I, I expect to start hearing stuff about that. But I don't want to go off on a tangent there. The Heat look really good and I want to give you credit Zach because you said that you felt like they had a finals run in them yeah I still think the Raptors are the best team I don't know best team I think they're the team I trust the most but I do think it's a bunch of adults yeah a bunch of adults who make smart decisions but I do look at this heat team and the idea of them make it's not I don't have to play the what if game very much with them to see them in the finals I do think they're that good they're deep you know, I mean, yeah. it's a next man up mentality. They got Kendrick in, in Nunn game. back in the mix in this game. Like, you, you know, I, I think it's important to get him in. Um, I don't know how much they can ask of Goran Drax because he's been phenomenal in this restart and even better than he was in the regular season. 
Well, he's carrying so much of, of an extra playmaking burden because Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup and he's got this shoulder thing going on. Jimmy Butler only took five shots in this game, by the way, in a you know series sweep. I mean, right. <laughs> pretty impressive. So this team is super deep. Duncan Robinson was two of nine from the field tonight, one of seven from three. And so, okay, they just closed the game with Tyler Hero, another rookie. I, I've just never seen anything like this. And all year when people ask me about Miami – my reservations were very much about leaning too much on the young guys. Now, Kendrick Nunn aside, because I think Kendrick Nunn wasn't as good as people thought he was during the regular season. I mean, the stats weren't even really that great. He had he had a great couple of months to start the, the season, and then you know things kind of went the way that they usually do for rookie point guards. Uh, clearly, he's coming off the bench now, so Miami agrees. But for Hero and Robinson, they've been mostly good in the seeding games and the playoffs. I mean, this was a, a bit of a dud for Robinson. But when you think about how difficult his job is and how the Pacers adjusted, you know, top locking him, you know, coming over the top on screens and they they put their longest, most athletic guys on him. He was due for one. And all they all the heat did was like, OK, hey, uh, Rook. Get in there and close the game. And Tyler Hero gave him 16 points and five rebounds, four assists off the bench. That's crazy production for a rookie in the playoffs. It would be crazy production for a rookie in February. And he's doing it in the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. And and even I would add on top of that, Bam out of bio. I know he's been in the league for a few years, but he doesn't have that much experience, especially not that much playoff experience. And he didn't shoot the ball well in this one, but 14 points, nine rebounds, six assists. I just no, 19 rebounds. Oh, I'm sorry. 14, yeah, 14, 14 points, 19 rebounds, six assists. You can't ignore him when he's on the on the floor just from watching the game. Like he's everywhere. He does so much on both ends of the floor. And now Miles Turner had a great game. He had 22 and 14, uh, and they could have used that Miles Turner all series. But Bam just man, he controls so much of what this Heat team does. And I'm very interested to see what he does in the next series against Milwaukee because I, you know, the youth still has to be tested against a very good team and arguably the best team in the league. This man, this Heat team, they just continue to impress. Absolutely. And they do it in ways that are not flashy, which is really funny for a team that was like seventh ranked offense in the regular season. They destroyed the Pacers on the on the glass. And for a Nate McMillan team, I'm sure that was – I'm sure he wanted to talk about that after the game. I doubt he brought it up after getting swept out of the playoffs. But 60-34 to 34 rebounding advantage, that's a big deal. They snagged 37% of their own missed shots. It's nuts. Bam Adebayo is 6'9". It's not like they're running a giant out there. So, you know, when you have that kind of guy who could be that active on the glass on both ends – but also playmakes, so you can use them in, in DHOs out at the elbow. You can, you know, Miami is amazing. I call it death by a thousand back cuts. They can just destroy you without even having to, you know, rely on dribble penetration. So if Jimmy Butler is not having a great game or he's injured, it doesn't matter. Their offense can still run. That's why they're so dangerous, especially in the playoffs. Their potential next opponent, Bucks 121, Magic 106. Bucks take a 3-1 series lead. They seem to have figured this one out. Uh, Dave, their defense looks good. Uh, their, you know, Giannis is unguardable. He had a ridiculous game. But Chris Middleton, still not shooting well, but is he playing better and is he playing well enough? The defense is, has stepped up, which was a big deal for me. Um, I, I felt like the first two games of the series especially, Middleton just wasn't really doing much. And offensively, you know, 7 of 19 from the field, Okay, that's fine. Four of seven from three. But he's not really 
creating anything for anyone else. And so when he's on the court and he's the the fulcrum of the offense, they're just not getting a whole lot. <laughs> a lot is resting on Giannis's shoulders here from a playmaking perspective. So I'd like to see him boost that up. But today was this was probably the best he's looked in the playoffs so far. I agree with that. I this Bucks team, you know, George Hill was great, Kyle Korver was great, Brooke Lopez was really good, and despite Nikola Vucevic having a, another phenomenal game, he had 31 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks. I just don't know what the Magic are supposed to do, especially down Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. How different do you think this series would be with those two guys? It's interesting because it gives you a couple of bodies, and and especially Isaac, who could potentially cause Giannis some problems in the open court just with his length and, and foot speed. and I mean, preternatural ability to play defense. You know, Jonathan Isaac's going to be one of the best defenders in the league when he comes back from this knee injury. It would have helped him a little bit, but not on the offensive end. And I mean, 42 to 20 points in the paint advantage for the Bucks, And that's really where, where Milwaukee put this game away was just hammering them inside. And Orlando couldn't get those easy buckets. They were 18 of 45 from three. I mean, this is another of those textbook games that the Bucks would lose if they just, you know, don't make their threes, but they made them today. And that's the difference in this Bucks team. Like they're going to let you walk into those threes. So if you hit them, you've got to stop them from hitting theirs. And Orlando didn't do that, but also didn't wall off the paint. So, you know, I'm not surprised that they lost by 15. My surprise is that they didn't lose by more. And I would argue it's just that, you know, the Bucs were playing with their food a little bit. I mean, this was still tight in the third quarter. The Bucs really, I, I expected more out of them. They're, they're not being very decisive here in, in their victories. Yeah, I don't know how much better they're supposed they really need to be but it does feel like like we know you have another gear just show us right just show it just show us that gear we want to see the dominance and i get it maybe you don't want to overexert yourself because it's just the magic uh but you need to be fine-tuned for that heat team in the next round assuming the magic don't win the next three (laughs) if the magic come back uh and win this as the eighth seed down three one Yeah, you you wouldn't be able to fire the bucks into the sun fast enough. No, just, I mean that, uh, that just, would be just start uh, start a house hunting show for Giannis because <laughs> I think that's what it, that's what would end up happening if the Magic won the next three. Vooch has looked fantastic, and this is the concern going into the next series. And I hate to just go ahead and look ahead, but you know they are going to play the Heat with Bam not stretching the floor. Can he take advantage? of what the Bucks actually leave open to those guys. You know, he's not going to get much in the paint. We saw that when they played in the seeding game. They've got Bam figured out in the interior. So they they got to find a way to get Bam going, you know, 25 feet from the basket and get him a full head of steam. Maybe a little bit more like what Giannis is, is typically doing. So I'm really curious to see how that chess match is going to play out. I mean, it's chess, at least for Miami, and it's just going to be checkers from the Bucks because – you know, Bud's just going to do what Bud does, and, and it's this is our plan, and we're going to stick to it and hope it works. Big games coming up on Tuesday. Jazz have a chance to end the Denver Nuggets season. Will they do it, and will Donovan Mitchell get 50 again? Yes. It's over. It's yes to both? Yes to both. Wow. Donovan Mitchell, 55 points. Wow. All right. Clippers, Mavericks face off in a pivotal game five. Only two games on Tuesday. This is crazy. We're getting into it. Will Paul George finally have a good game? And who takes the 3-2 series lead? Mavericks are taking this. Uh, wow. I just don't think. I think Paul George is going to have a, an okay game. But I think Marcus Morris is not going to have a great game. And he's kind of been sneakily propping up their offense. 
That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget the other shows across the Athletic Podcast Network, the Athletic NBA Show, fantastic, fun Basket Buds edition on Monday. Make sure you check that out. We got tampering on Tuesday, hoops adjacent on Wednesday, point of contention on Thursday, and the award-winning, well, not yet, but soon to be award-winning Nerd She Wrote on Friday, plus No Dunks. Check out No Dunks. They're They're just the most fun. No Dunks every single day. Don't forget about the team-specific shows. From your favorite athletic beat writers, click follow on the app, get notifications for new episodes, use the podcast comment section, and if you're not a member of The Athletic, please subscribe. It's a great deal. It's a great job. It's the best coverage out there. You'll never regret it. I guarantee it. Thanks for waking up with us. Wear a mask, socially distance, do all that good stuff, and Dave, hit us with the sign-off. Ding, ding. You need to cool your jewels.